So we're in a series called You Asked For It, and uh, we're answering six important questions that our congregation that you asked, and this week is how do I share my faith, and I was counting on you asking this question because I think this is a reminder we all need from time to time. Not the reminder to share our faith, but the reminder how to share our faith. You know, Jesus' parting words with his followers is where he said, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in all the world and tell the good news to everyone. And you've heard me tell you before that when he commissioned us to do that, when he commanded that, it really wasn't that big of an ask. He's just saying, hey, do what you're really good at because have you noticed we share good news all day, every day. Good news about the, you know, the best things in life, good news about so-and-so and, and what's happened to them, and good news about the movie that we just saw, good news about the product that we just bought, good news about the TV show that we're into. We are telling good news all the time, and we're evangelists. That's what an evangelist means, someone who brings good news. And Jesus says, I just want you to do what you're really good at and share the good news about me. And so Jesus is passionate about the lost, passionate about the lost, because he created us with this nature to tell the good news, and because he gave us this commission, one of the things we believe here at Rockbrook is that we're not just a church for churchy people. We're not a church for just people who have already heard the good news and know the good news. No, we are on this mission to bring good news to everyone. So you're either in one of two places with God today, you're either finding him, and there's a bunch of you like that, where your whole goal right now is just to get to know God, or you either know God, and you believe in him, and now you're part of this search committee of finding those who were lost, and haven't heard the good news, or don't understand the good news, and God really, really loves, and is really, really passionate about those who are lost. I mean, think about it in your own life. Anytime that you lose something of value, you don't stop and just take an inventory of the found things. So if you lose your wallet, you don't go, okay, that's all right, I got my keys. No, you find your wallet. If the airline loses one of your bags, you know, okay, oh, that's all right, I've got another. No, you're like, find my bag, I need my bag. If you lose one of your kids, you're not like, that's okay, I got another one. No, you're like, I got to find my kid. That's why in Luke chapter 15, he says, like a good shepherd would leave 99 sheep to find the one that's lost, just like a good steward would find the lost coin, even though she has nine others, even just like a father would have compassion over the one lost son, even though he has another. God is focused on which is lost. So he looks down on our congregation this morning. He's excited that we gathered together. He says, good job, guys. I love your worship. I love your faithfulness. I love your dedication, but he's not totally enamored by it. His eyes are on the lost. And so because he loves the lost, we will love the lost. This is an amazing verse on this topic, 2 Corinthians 5.20. It says, we are ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors, meaning we're the representation of Jesus. So the church is now the representation of Jesus to the world. Ephesians 3 says, the whole wisdom of God is made known through his church. And God is making his appeal through us, through us. So God's going to reach the whole world. He's going to do it. And he's going to do it through us. That's plan A. And there's no plan B. That's how it's going to happen. 
But how in a world that's growingly skeptical about God, they come in with presuppositions and ideas about God that aren't true, how do you share your faith effectively? Because a growing number of Christians are just saying, you can't beat them, join them, we'll just make them feel more welcome by changing the interpretation of scripture and, and, and hopefully that'll draw them in. And then you've got other people on another extreme who are just rude about their faith, they're I mean, you ever met a rude Christian? I mean, you just almost wish they wouldn't even share their faith because they just put it in such a bad light. But how can we land somewhere in the middle? How can we stand for truth but still be attractive? Colossians tells us, be wise. So don't be loud, don't be rude, don't be mean. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Put some salt on it. Make it taste good so that you may know how to answer everyone. So when you're with unbelievers, you're the ambassador, you're the representation of Jesus, make it taste good. Give, it to, give them truth in such a way that they want to come back for more. How do I do it? How do I do that? Now, I actually spent the last few weeks and much of this week preparing a different message that I decided not to give to you today. It was super challenging. It was inspiring. We would all leave here today tear-filled eyes. I mean, inspired to share our faith. And everyone would get in their cars going, so how do I share my faith? How do I do it? It just was, it wasn't practical. I, I think you guys want to share your faith. You just need help in how. I mean, you asked for it. So you don't need me to convince you of it. You, you need to know how. You're like, I just, I need to know. I don't even know what to say. Like, Ryland, I don't even know what words to say, what Bible verses to use. I don't even know how to do it. And some of you may even say, Ryland, I promise you, you don't want me saying anything because I wouldn't be a good representation and I'd just, I would just blow it. But I want to show you today that it's actually easier than you think and it may not even be what you think altogether. In fact, the thing that you may be aiming at to share may not even be the thing that you're supposed to share. So I kind of want to give you three different sections, and, and I'll tell you, I'm going to give you a lot today um, because we all kind of have different experience in this topic, and so I'm hoping to give you something that is going to help you where you're at with that unbeliever, and kind of got a few different sections of this message, but the first one I want you to think about in sharing your faith with someone is think about it through the lens of sharing the hope that you have with someone. So that's number one, share the hope we have. People are dying for hope. You got to share your hope. And tell people, I made a decision to follow Christ. And tell them why you made that decision. You don't have to be able to defend everything written in the Bible. Just tell them the reason I chose to follow Jesus. Let's look at this verse together. 1 Peter 3 says, but in your hearts, so that's where it begins, in your heart, Revere Christ as Lord. So you, you can't share anything until you first put him on the throne of your heart and revered Christ as Lord. You built your life around God. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the what? Hope. For the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So don't share the gospel until you've earned their respect. And keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against 
your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. They'll end up wishing they'd never talked bad about it. And you actually don't need too much more in this verse to know what to do. And, and I want this for you because there isn't anything better than sharing the hope you have, sharing your story with someone. So you have a hope, you have a story, and it's powerful. Your story is powerful. God says, you will be my witnesses. What does a witness do? They tell their version of the story. He doesn't say you're going to be the defender, you're going to be the judge, prosecutor. He said you're going to go tell your story. You're going to be the witness. You're going to tell your side of things. So I want to show you how you tell your story. It's very simple. You're just going to do three things when you tell someone your story. First, you're going to tell them how you realized you needed Christ. Share that part of the story. Share the part where you realized you didn't need a system. You needed a savior. You needed someone who was strong enough to save. And maybe that happened for you when you were in a bad place in life. Maybe that happened for you. It it was a slow awakening. Maybe it was very quick. Maybe you thought you were living your life and you thought you understood Christianity and then you realized, I need Christ. I need a savior. Maybe it happened for you as a child and that's extremely powerful because you have lifelong examples of when you needed Christ and you knew that you needed Christ. Now after you share, that when you realize you needed Christ, share how you committed your life to Christ. So before you point out what someone else should do, show them what you did. Okay, tell them how you built your life on God. This is seasoning it with salt. This is doing it with grace. Share your life with them in such a way that they want what you have. And then share the difference it made in your life. This is the hope part. Share the difference and the hope that you have. And one of the best ways you can do this is do this in such a way that you get them to start asking you questions. And and when they're talking about how bad things are, uh, listen, I'm just, I'm stunned of how many times I see this happen. An unbeliever will bring up how bad things are in the world, how tragic stuff, how horrible it's getting, how bad people are getting, and then the Christian in the conversation will just join in and agree. I'm like, dude, you're the hope. Say something. I mean, don't, you're not in despair like they are. You've got, I mean, you know how this turns out. You know the hope that Christ offers. Don't just join and tell, tell them, man, I wish you had my hope right now. I wish you had what gives me strength right now. Yeah, that, that's, that's insane what's happening, but I, I wish you had my peace right now. And just share with them that, that you see things differently, that your hope, that Christianity allows you to look at things and, and you have hope, you don't, you're not living in despair. And they're going to say, man, well, they have a strength I don't have. Man, they got a hope that I don't have. They've got a purpose, they've got clarity that I don't have. They're seeing the same things I'm seeing, but, but they get to think differently about it. So share with them your story. Your, there's nothing more powerful than your story. And share with them hope. Give them hope. Live a life of hope. Now the second thing you can, you can share with an unbeliever is you can share your church. So write that in, share my church. And we've designed parts of our church for people who are far from God. We teach this in our membership class. We work very hard to provide things for your kids, for you, for your students. But 20 years ago, we started 
When we started, we wanted to create a church for people who would have told you they'd never go to church. And I'll say it worked because you're sitting around people and there's people in other services sitting in your seat who they got saved here, they got baptized here, they're serving here. And not long ago, they would have told you that they would never be in a church, that they would never be doing what they're doing. And so we made a decision that we would create weekend services that believers would enjoy, but unbelievers would also enjoy coming and seeing it. A place where lost people could come, we'd make them feel welcome, we would serve them, we would add value to their life, we'd answer tough questions about their life, we'd teach them uh, uh, how to how to navigate uh, rough waters in their life, and we'd never waver from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every week we try to make people feel comfortable so they'll drop their guard, and we tell them we don't want your money because we don't, and we tell them we don't want you to feel like you have to do anything because we don't want you to feel like you have to do anything. And this is just a safe place for you to come as you are and just come see whatever condition your life is in. Jesus said, go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so my house will be full. And God says, I like it full. God says, I want churches full because the need is so great. But so how do you share your church with someone? Well, first, before you do anything else, you pray for them. Before you do anything else, pray for them. Pray for the lost people in your life. At Rockbrook Church, we pray by name for the lost people in our lives. In our small groups, we write down the names of the lost people in our lives, and then as a group, we call out those names before God every day. If you haven't done that in your small group for a while, you can do that this week. Our staff, at the beginning of this month, we all wrote down the names of the lost people we're praying for. We traded those names with other staff members so we could be praying for the lost people in our lives. And so I'm teaching you today how to share your faith, but you got to know there's more going on than just a good sales pitch on your part. The Holy Spirit is going to have to stir in their lives a desire to want it. There's there's actually five Bible verses that you could pray through when praying for an unbeliever. And I put those Bible verses in the Talk It Over notes for this week's message. You can get those at the info table or online under sermons and the resources part of that. But we we pray through them in the 21 days of prayer. We pray through these five Bible verses for the people in our lives and I'll just give you one of them right now. You can get the rest later. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, The God of this age, so that's little g God, that's the enemy, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light. They they don't understand it. Maybe they've heard it, they they don't get it. Maybe you grew up in a family and, and, and you and your siblings had the exact same experience. You sat next to each other in a church service or something and and you gave your life to Christ, and, and they had the same experience, but they didn't. They, their eyes were blinded. They couldn't see it. The light of the gospel that d- displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so we pray, God, take away that blinder. Take away what's blinding them so they can see it, so they can understand the truth. God, soften their hearts. And you pray for them. They're, There's been people in my life I've been praying for for a long time, not about to quit. There's a guy who used to be in my small group, and and we've been praying for a lost person in his life for years, not about to quit. I have just seen too many stories of after years and years and years 
The blinders get taken off. They see it. They get it. I'm not going to quit. So after that, but before anything else, I show them I care. I show them I care. So before you invite them, show them you care. So don't even share your faith with someone until you've showed them that you care. Don't even share your faith with someone until you've served them in a way that you've earned their respect. You've shown them that you care about them. And, and I'm not talking about years of building that up or anything. Just do something. for Make them a meal. Take them out to lunch. Just do something to show them that you care about them. Because people are asking, can you help me? They want to know, can the church help me? They want to know, do you care about me? Listen, if they don't love you, they're not going to love your God. If they don't love you, why would they then want the thing that drives your life and that you've built your life on? You got to get them to love you. You got to care about them. And they want to know, can I trust you? And when you gain people's trust, you gain their hearts, they'll go on a, on a journey with you if they can trust you. So after you pray for them, after you show them that you care about them, then invite them to write this in, join me at a service. To, to join me. So when you invite them, don't just say, there's five services, good luck. Let me know what you thought. And, you know, we could, we could do better about that. We don't have a lot of stuff that goes out with our service times and our address. So you could just hand to someone and, and walk, walk away. Because the, the idea is that you, they join you. Like you say, which service do you want to go to? Which one works best for you? And then you come in and you sit next to them in service and you show them the ropes and, and they know somebody and, and have them join you, sit with them. And I, I want to make this challenge to you today. I want it to become one of our mottos at Rockbrook. Two of 52. I want us to take up the challenge to have two weekends a year where we have an unbeliever or unchurched person sitting next to us. Two of 52. You, you pick the weekend or they pick the weekend, but just be thinking that way. I'm going to have 50 weekends for me. I'm going to have two every year that I have someone sitting with me in church. And have that be a service where you try to get someone to come with you. And I tell you what, you'll enjoy that service more. You'll, you'll care about that service more than any other. You'll be nervous about that service more than any other. <laughs> a while ago, someone in our church, he came up to me right after a service. And he says, man, Ryland, this whole thing with, the, I mean, every week, every service with the, you know, guests and visitors don't have to give and and, you know, pull out the communication card and we'll send you a letter and we won't hassle you. And it, do you have a service where you don't share that? Because I'm just kind of tired of hearing it. And uh, I actually kind of sympathized with him because sometimes I get tired of saying it. <laughs> but then a couple months later, he comes running up, catching me right before a service. And he says, I've got an un a family member with me today who's not a believer, and they think the church is just all they want is your money, so make sure you tell them today that <laughs> you don't even want their money, and, and they don't know thing one about church, so tell them to fill out the communication card because they need that letter, and it's just amazing the perspective shift that you have when you see it through that lens, so when we're invested, so I'm, I'm asking you to get invested. Trust me, 50 for you, two to have an unchurched person sitting next to you.
and it'll do a lot for you too. Now, here's the bad news. The bad news is that we are getting into what many are calling a post-Christian America now, where there's a growing percentage of people who will never go to church. They'll live and die, never step foot in a church. And the only way they're going to be reached is if they're reached one-on-one. And they are people who drive by a church, they don't even know what that place is. They don't even know what they do in there. And this is actually the reason why we keep our programming relatively simple at this church. We don't do a morning service, ask you to come back at night for a different one, and then a midweek one, and we don't put you on a committee and tie you up voting for things and church function after church function, because if you tie the church up with church functions, they don't have time to reach the lost. We actually even, we, we schedule breaks in our small group calendar where, where we don't even meet as a small group to, to give a break. And, and I would encourage you to take one of those weeks where you would normally have small group that night and have someone over for dinner. It, go out to coffee with an unbeliever. Take them out for dinner at a restaurant. I mean, there, there are people who they'll never step foot in a church, but they'll step foot in your kitchen. They'll go to a restaurant with you. They'll get under the hood of a car with you. And you might be the only church service that anyone ever experiences in their life. And we need to be thinking that way because we have to look for opportunities in our life. This is the next section today to share Christ. Look for opportunities to share Christ. So in this area of the Midwest, in this area of Missouri and Kansas, a lot of people are still willing to go to church, but you can't bank on that. And, and more and more aren't. And we've got to be equipped to share Christ. And you've got to share the hope that you have. I told you how to share your story. But let me teach you what to say, even, even the scriptures to use in leading someone to Christ. And, and I think we've made this too hard. If you know John 3.16, you can share Christ with somebody. Uh, you can share with them, God loves you. And they may say, you do not know what I've done. I don't know how many times I've heard that. All right, church boy, you do not know what my life has looked like. You do not know what I've done in my life. I could never be good enough. I could never make it right. I could never make up for that. Buddy, it's not about you. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And if you believe that happened, you don't have to pay for the things that you've done in your life anymore. Every person is on a spiritual journey. Even even if they call themselves an atheist, they are trying to connect to God. Because every person is made in the image of God and everybody is on this journey looking for a connection back to their creator, their heavenly father. And tell them God loves you. And, And the reason your life is messed up is because of this right here. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And it doesn't mean perfect days. It doesn't mean a perfect life. It means fulfillment. It means a sense of peace that you cannot explain. And they may say, well, I don't think I want that. And you can say, if you ever think you do, God's love doesn't change. His truth doesn't change. And his character doesn't change. 
And after you share your story with someone, after you share the good news with someone, you just need to remember that they're probably not going to say, oh, thank you. I never looked at it that way before. I've been waiting for you to come along. No, what I have found time and time again, and in talking with you time and time again, what I have found is that the very next thing that they're going to say is, hey, let me ask you a question. And then they proceed to ask you the weirdest question that you ever heard that had nothing to do with what you were talking about. There was one time where I was sharing the gospel with unbeliever. I've been praying for him. We were friends. He knew I cared about him. I laid it out. I, in my mind, I'm thinking, this is so good. And we get to the end, and he says, let me ask you a question. What's up with that whole Scientology thing? Ah, what? what? It's not even what we're talking about. Or they're going to bring up this weird documentary that they saw on TV, and they're going to ask you about that. Or they're going to bring up, hey, what about string theory? Or this thing that you don't, you've never even heard of? Or, or it's just not even has to do with anything. And what I have found is that the best thing to do in those situations is to reverse the question. And maybe just write that statement down somewhere in your own. Reverse the question. This is so freeing. You don't have to know the answer to every question. Every political topic, everything about another religion. And people think you've got to go and learn about other religions to be able to present Christianity. You don't have to waste a minute on a false religion. When someone comes back with a strange question, I have found freedom in just asking, is that question the thing that's really holding you back from deciding who Jesus is. Ask him, how do you explain the universe? How do you explain the longing that people have in their lives to connect to a higher power, to connect to someone? Is that question really the thing that's keeping you from making a decision about who Jesus is? Let the question hang there. Because once you reverse the question, the conversation settles down into the realization that you weren't trying to make me do something. You were just telling me good news. You really believe what what you're talking about. And if you're afraid that you don't know enough answers, remember no one can know the answer to every question. And you just need to know that you met Jesus and Christianity has changed your life. What is Christianity? What does it mean to become a Christian? I want to talk to you about that. One, because if you're going to lead someone to Jesus and they're ready to cross the threshold of faith, I want you to be able to even know what scriptures you could use and what you could say. But actually, even more than that, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page of what our faith is. So that before we all leave here and share our faith, let's all just make sure we know know what it is. Let's remind ourselves of it today. And if you're going to have good news... That means that there was probably some bad news at some point that the good news invades. And so there's a problem. Write that in. There's a problem. And the bad news, the problem, is that unbelievers don't experience God's love. Because there's a blockade. Sin separates. There's a chasm between us and God, and you can't bridge it. Sin makes us fall short of connecting with God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And sin cannot be in the presence of God. We've got to deal with the sin issue. The problem is sin. And the way you 
solve the problem of sin is you got to pay for it. you got to pay for the sin in your life. And the Bible shows us that the wages of sin is death. That's how you pay for it, is somebody's got to die. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that verse because it's the real problem and the real solution. Write that in. This is the solution. Sin is the problem, but the solution is that God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we are sinners, while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. It's what Christ has done for There is nothing you can do to be saved. Lost is lost. There's nothing you can do. It says the wages of sin is death. Dead is dead. What I'm saying is an ethical, good, moral person is just as lost, just as dead as the most upstanding, ethical, good, moral person you can find. Lost is lost. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a whether or not we're good or, or better than somebody else. The wage is death. And Jesus says, I don't want you to have to die. I will die in your place. And Jesus is the only one who could step in and say, I'll pay the price. I'll pay the wage for you. The result of sin is death, but you don't have to die. I'll die for you. That's why Jesus could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why him? Because he's the only one who didn't have to pay the wage of death. Because he's perfect. And he lived a perfect life. He didn't have a wage to pay. But he paid ours for us. And that's why we can say salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And this is why every week I tell you and remind you that Jesus lived a perfect life that you could never live. He died in your place and he rose from the dead. And it's just the very basics of it is the gospel. That is the gospel. The problem is sin is in the way. You've got to die. Jesus said, I'll die for you. And to have successfully shared your faith, you've got to share Jesus. You have not shared your faith until you have shared Jesus. If sharing your faith is yeah, I wanted to get my act together. I wanted to get my life cleaned up. Yeah, I wanted to live a life that was a good example for my kids. That, that's not your faith. That doesn't save you. And that's not going to save the lost person in your life. You have not shared your faith until you have shared Jesus. He's the only one strong enough to save. This is why I have a line that I use. You actually hear me say it every weekend, either in a sermon or at the prayer at the end. And I share it with other people. It's just that I believe Jesus lived a perfect life. He died in my place because of my sin and rose from the dead. I mean, that's the pillars of Christianity. If you want the theological terms, that's the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus. And I share it with a lost person. I point to Jesus. I say, this is what I believe. And they can debate something else if they want. They can change the subject if they want. They can reject it if they want. But I'm not going to share my faith without sharing Jesus. That's my faith. It's not what I do. It's what Christ has done for me. And I bring up Jesus. Even if you don't think they'll agree. Even if you think they want to talk about something else. You have to ultimately bring up Jesus. 
tell them where your faith is. So how do you get in on it? How do you get in on what Jesus offers, this eternal life? Well, John 1.12 says, To all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So believing and accepting says how we get in on it. And what does that believing and accepting mean? What does that look like? Romans 10 tells us if you confess, your mouth, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you confess, I'm not going to run my life anymore. I'm handing my life over to God and believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess. You are there is something so powerful about saying it out of your mouth. It's one thing to wake up in the morning to thank God, I thank you for this day. It's a whole other thing to open up your mouth and actually say to God, because he exists, God, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for directing me today. It's awesome to get in your car and listen to worship music. It is powerful to open up your mouth and join in. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if I could put a Ryland paraphrase on that. It's, behold, I stand at the door and I mess with your life a little bit. <laughs> I say to you, isn't it about time that you realize that this is more than just an accident, all this? Isn't it about time that you see that the guilt and the shame you carry in your life is too great to, to carry? Isn't it about time that you see that Eternity is on the line. Isn't it about time you see that I love you? That I really, really love you. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. So there's a problem. It's sin. There's a solution. His name is Jesus. And it, it needs just one final thing, and that is our response. Our response. What is the response? Give him your life. Become a, a citizen of his kingdom. Build your life on the rock that is God. Hand over your life to him. Let's pray together. Well, God, we just ask you to be number one in our lives. God, we want to love who you love. And God, it's a joy to be a part of what you are a part of. And God, I just ask personally that you would help me with boldness and clarity as I share the hope that I have with people in my life. God, you know it's one thing to stand up in a church on Sunday morning and preach the gospel. It's hard. It's hard one-on-one. -on -one. Just help, just ask you that you help me with the wisdom to do that, to represent you well, to be your ambassador. And church, just right now, just bring to mind the people in your life, the names of the people in your life who need Christ, the unbelievers in your life. God, you know who they are. We just ask by the power of your spirit that they would sense you knocking on their door, that they would, 
that they would get a longing for purpose in their life, for clarity, for hope in their life. God, draw them to you. God, break through in their lives. Only you can do it, Lord. It's through Jesus' name we ask all this. Amen.